0: Okay. The rest of us, let's take out our Bibles and find Romans chapter 5 once again. If you're just joining us this morning, we're studying through this letter Paul wrote to the Roman church, to Christians just like you and me. Uh, Living in a sin-cursed world and living among other sinners as sinners, and yet the distinction being that we have come to a saving faith and a reliance and trust upon Jesus Christ as God's only Son sent into this world in order to live and die and be raised again for sinners so that we can have eternal life, and he has made the claim that was quite unique and has remained quite unique among all religions that have ever been, that we are right with our God, we are justified by faith alone, apart from works or apart from anything we could do, by faith alone in the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. And we hold that, he says back in chapter 3, that one is justified by faith apart from works. And he gets to chapter 5, where we are now. We've spent a few weeks in chapter 5, just the first few verses. So if you're just joining us, that's where we're at. And he makes the claim, as we see in verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you're brought now into this standing with God of peace. It is not a feeling of peace, though of course that accompanies it. It's a relational peace. That is, you are right with Him now. And not only that, we... Verse 2, through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We looked at that, the idea that through Christ now we're brought into, we have access into this grace before God and we stand in grace. Remember, it began in grace, the kind of grace that it is here, it begins in grace, it carries grace all the way through, okay? So we're always standing in grace, no matter what has happened or where we're at we're standing in grace before God he says these two things are results of justification but there are two more now results of justification you'll remember that at the last half of verse 2 and into verse 3 these are results of justification but these are things that we do that are just common among Christians wherever you find them so he says that At the end of verse 2, we rejoice, or that word could also be boast, right? We boast, we exalt, we glory, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hope is that confident expectation of future good, like we know it's going to happen. It's not wishful thinking. We know it's going to happen, and what's going to happen? It's the glory of God, it's though when Christ returns and we're glorified and he makes all things as they're supposed to, to be and we rejoice in that. We rejoice in it even this morning. We boast in it. Wherever you find Christians, they're talking, they're, they're boasting about this hope to come. But then what we began last week is in verse 3. Not only that, not, our, not only are we boasting in future glory, but we are rejoicing in in our sufferings now. And that one, honestly, is quite surprising, isn't it? We don't always attach the idea of rejoicing or boasting with the word suffering. It sounds kind of counterintuitive to us, a little bit strange that we would boast, we would rejoice, that we would exalt in our sufferings as we are rejoicing in hope of the glory of God? How can that be? You know, there's no one in here that has not or is not or will not be walking through suffering of some kind. And do you remember what we said that word means, that word suffering? That word suffering is interesting. It, it originally had reference to just squeezing or pressure, like you would apply, they would apply this squeezing upon olives to get out the oil, or uh, fruit to get out the juice. And you can just picture that. And they, that, word, that, that word was perfect to begin. Uh, being characterized uh, or to characterize suffering itself or the circumstances of our life that causes suffering for us, that pressure upon us. And we rejoice in these sufferings. Paul says this is just the common and normal aspect of the Christian life. This is what we do. But why do Christians rejoice in suffering? Why do we rejoice in suffering? It's not because we're just sickos, right? We don't just enjoy pain or sorrow or loss and disappointment and heartache and death. These things aren't enjoyable in and of themselves. So why do we rejoice in this? What is it about the gospel that helps us realign our thinking about hard times and difficulties and challenges and suffering? What is it about the result of justification being such to the extent that when we are walking through sufferings, we're actually rejoicing in them? What is it? Well, that is what Paul is answering in this passage the biggest question we have when we suffer, especially some, or sometimes for an extended period of time, so you're walking through trials for an extended period of time, or maybe something in your life happens suddenly and quickly, and it's very disorienting, and you're thinking to yourself, why is this happening? Why has God allowed this in my life? Well, friends, after this morning's message not because I'm super smart or anything, but because of what we see in the Scripture, we really don't need to ask that question anymore. God, in His grace to His people, has answered the question, why must we suffer? Do you remember that passage last week? Paul and Silas are going around to churches that were already planted, and they're encouraging them of course, those believers had come to faith in Christ and they're already experiencing persecution. They're experiencing all the normal pressures of life that we do and the uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death that we all have to and the sufferings of ourselves and our loved ones. And they're all experiencing that. And do you remember what they said? Keep on in the faith knowing That through many tribulations, our word here for suffering, many sufferings, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. That is the path to the kingdom and the path to glory is by, according to God, of necessity that his people walk through this suffering. Why is that the case? Well, you'll notice what Paul does here. Verse 3, he says, We rejoice in our sufferings, And then look at the next word. The next word is knowing. The reason we rejoice in our sufferings is because of our knowing something. We have a knowledge about what's happening that actually propels us and compels us to embrace the suffering with joy and with boasting this is common and i love what paul's doing here he puts this forward as though it's common christian knowledge almost as though he doesn't need to say it because this is just what christians know you see that we know this right This is why we rejoice in our sufferings. It's because we know this. This is what we're knowing as Christian people. This comes with the gospel. That Christian people, just because you come to faith in Christ, God doesn't just deliver you from all the sufferings of this world. It doesn't mean that the world's always going to. As we go out preaching the gospel, embrace it with open arms and just love us so much. No, it's that we know we're going to suffer, and we rejoice in that because we know what God's doing with it. We're aware of this information. You know, I think if Paul were to encounter a believer, and Paul was a man who suffered immensely, we've talked about that. He knows what suffering is. When he's counseling you on suffering, you listen. Because here's a man who suffered This was his calling to suffer. Be put forward as a sufferer as he followed Christ and was faithful to Christ so that he could counsel others and write scriptures and you pay attention to it when you're suffering. If Paul were to encounter a Christian who was in the midst of suffering and he heard that Christian complaining or let's say even He heard them speaking angry words about the situation and about God because that happens. In suffering, we can be tempted to be angry with God, especially when we know He's in control of it. And if Paul were to encounter such a Christian and he heard them saying those things, I think he would respond to them at the right time and with the right gracious demeanor counseling them, saying something to this effect. I understand that suffering can tempt you to complain and be angry with God. I'm no stranger to it. (laughs) That's a normal human reaction. But for a Christian, that is truly an unusual response to suffering. You might then begin to ask them questions like this. Don't you know how important it is in God's plan for us that you walk through suffering of various kinds? Don't you know or aren't you aware of what God is doing right now in you through this trial? Haven't you been taught the reason Christians suffer? You see, the problem we often have is that we forget what God is doing when we suffer. We may have been taught it, but in the times of suffering, isn't it true that our feelings are often disoriented and confused, and heavy, when the situation is dark, and we forget the knowledge we have about what God wants to do in this. And more than that, sometimes what we're wanting to do when we're asking the question why is we want how can I put this, almost like a one-for-one answer to why this is happening. In other words, what's the reason specifically for me that this one thing has happened? And that God rarely shows anybody because there's probably a million reasons God's doing what He's doing. But these core reasons or the core reason of what God is doing is explained very clearly and it is this suffering is one of the primary means by which God grows us in core Christian attributes to steal the line from the Mandalorian this is the way okay <laughs> suffering is one of the key means of necessity by which God grows His children lovingly and over time and patiently in the common and core Christian graces that we need. It has spiritual and saving significance for us. Now look at what he says. Now look at the text, and I'll show you this. Not only that, he says, verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing, and here's what we know, that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. He lists three essential core. Christian attributes here that you need, by the way. You need these. And he uses suffering to produce these in us. The first one he says is that we rejoice in suffering because it produces endurance. And this is the foundational one. We'll see this in another passage in just a few minutes. This is the foundational one that we need. We need endurance. Uh, the word is hupomone. It means to bear up under a weight. To bear up under the pressure. To bear up under the stress, in other words, of the suffering, of that... Flipless, right? Of that pressure and squeezing of the circumstance. And suffering produces this endurance that we need. And in what is it that we endure? And friends, if I were to summarize that, I would say we endure in faith. We... Paul says back in Romans chapter 1 that the righteous which is what we are, chapter 5, we're the justified now. The righteous shall live by what? By faith. It is actually what covers us. This is the channel by which we're made right with God and by which we follow Christ in this world and we're by faith living for the glory of God to come. Faith is who we are. We're believers, right? Right? And so what we need is to be able to, through this life in all of the trials and tribulations, we need to be able to endure in faith, keep following Christ. Remember last week we actually looked at Hebrews chapter 12 and kind of given the metaphor of the Christian life like a, like a marathon race, that we're to run with endurance Right? Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we're enduring on this race and we're looking in faith to Jesus. And Paul says we rejoice in suffering because it actually produces this endurance to endure and to keep going as a Christian. Endurance is what we need, it's Christian endurance. You know what Jesus said? Remember, he was teaching his disciples in Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse all about what things would be like from his time until when Christ returns. And in the beginning part of that, he's kind of just giving categories of what the world's going to be like. And it's just going to be filled with all sorts of suffering, suffering coming at every angle against the people here and against his people and he says in Matthew chapter 24 verses 11 and 12, he says, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of money, many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That is a, uni- this is really, I think, a unique verse for our time as American Christians. Let's put us in just. Recent American history. The lawlessness increasing and the love of many growing cold. What do we need in this time? We need endurance. Well, according to chapter 5 of Romans, how does God build that endurance in us? It's through the suffering. He's working that wonderful thing that we need in order to endure by faith and follow Christ to the end. We need to be strengthened in our endurance. And the way that happens is through suffering. You know, if I wanted to run a marathon, which I don't, but let's say for the sake of argument I did... I would need to begin training for this marathon in certain ways, and I would have to build up my endurance in so many ways to make it that whatever it would be, 20, what, 24 miles or some? How many? twenty Okay, 26.2, just some ridiculous amount of miles to be running. I would have to be training. That wouldn't happen by me sitting on my couch eating wings, and watching marathons on TV. (laughs) And friends, for us to live in the world in which we do and to endure it in faith isn't going to happen with us just sitting in a Bible study, though that's wonderful, or coming to a worship service, though that's wonderful, we need that. We're having our daily devotional time reading about people who endured in faith. You know, reading through Hebrews chapter 11 and these faith endures to the end. What we need is our faith to be put under pressure so that it endures. It becomes more stronger, you see. And our endurance is built up. The only way that happens, friends, is through suffering We learn these things, we begin rejoicing in them because this is the these are the kinds of things we pray for, right? Do you pray? I want to be I want to be strong in my faith. I want to make it to the end. I want to keep following Jesus in this world. How is he gonna answer that prayer? He's gonna answer that prayer as you walk through the suffering. And your endurance is built. So when you walk through suffering that requires endurance and faith, and then look at verse 4, that endurance actually is producing something. It's kind of like a chain event here. So the endurance is produced, and then what's that produce is character. This word character, perhaps better proven or tested character, something that's been tried and true and proven to be you know, real, like the metal workers used to use this word as they were working with precious metals like gold and silver it had been tried, true, tested by fire, comes out the other end. This is what we have, pure gold or pure silver, whatever it would be. Our character as we're enduring through these things is being proven, tested, and by God's grace grown into Christ's likeness. You know, oftentimes when we're put in pressure situations, the negative aspects of our character that are still there, our old man, our old woman, that sinful part of us, doesn't it just come to the surface? And we hate that, but do you know how necessary that is for the process? What God does in His grace is when you're put in these trials and that sin emerges, the wrong responses. What God does is bring that up to your attention, friends, so that you can deal with it in a godly way. We confess it. And then what Paul will teach us in Romans 8 we buy the spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. We learn to submit and walk by the Spirit in that particular area. This is kind of the fiery trial that comes upon us, exposes our weaknesses, gets us to cry out to God, look further to Jesus Christ, so that we come out the other end with a more Christ-like character You know, the psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 71 said this, and really I think God's getting us all to be able to agree with this. It is good for me that I was afflicted. Why? That I might learn your statutes. It was during that time, says the psalmist, that the Lord exposed things in my character that were not right, that were not in accordance with Scripture so that I could deal with those and God could help me grow in that particular area. I would add to this character all the Christian graces, a Christian Christ-like character, holiness and righteousness. Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of the same thing, verses 10 and 11. He's talking about fatherly discipline to us, right? We talked about that earlier, about uh, confessing our sins of Uh, against our parents or children and such, but we are all children of our Heavenly Father. And he's talking about how our Heavenly Father in love disciplines us. In other words, brings us through these trials that we're walking through. And he says, they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Holiness. Now, we need to remember this. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. That's true, right? But later, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Have you ever prayed to grow and become more like Christ? Christ? Friends, Christ's entire life could be categorized under the term suffering. The man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, walked the road of suffering all the way through the cross. We sang about it this morning the pain, the sorrow, the affliction, the shame. That's who you're praying to be like. So how could it be? How could it possibly be? How could we ever become more like Christ unless we, as Paul says, share in his sufferings? What is God doing in our suffering? What's he doing with me? Well, he's producing endurance and that endurance is producing character ever been with a Christian who's walked through suffering in their life, times of real trial, suffering, and, there's, and when they've responded to that ride and they've grown as Christians, you listen to them and you watch their life and there's just something about their character. It's proven to be true. You might not know much about them, but you know they're a Christian. You know they love Jesus, Right? So, this suffering produces endurance, and the endurance produces character. And then there's a third one, verse 4 Character produces hope. And here we've come full circle, haven't we? We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then we rejoice in our sufferings because our suffering produces endurance. And the endurance produces character. And then the character, lo and behold, what does it do? It brings us right back to what? To hope. And this one has always made sense to me. That suffering eventually leans in the Christian's experience and in the Christian's life to hope. More hope. A stronger hope. A stronger, confident expectation of future good. And even more than that, a longing hope a desiring hope that's actually looking towards the kingdom to come, that's praying it in every day, that wants Christ to return and wants glory to happen. And that makes sense to me because the more you suffer in this world, the more disillusioned with it you become, the less love you have for it, and the more you long for the world to come in which there will be no more suffering, you see. The more you cry and experience the death of loved ones or maybe even walk through the valley of the shadow of death yourself, the more you mourn and experience pain, the more you long for the time when that will be no more, when he himself will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, because those are all the former things, and they've passed away, you see. One of the great privileges of serving with Slavic Gospel Association was getting letters from pastors in the former Soviet world. And uh, we ministered among peoples in the Stan countries like uh, Turkmenistan and Kazakhstan and some of those places. And some of them were in high persecution intensity areas. And I remember getting a letter from one of those pastors, and he's describing what all the Christians there are going through because they're Christians. They were being harassed and mistreated and sometimes physically attacked and all of those things just because they were following Jesus. And remember, he ended the letter something to the effect of this. We don't know fully what's going to happen, but we just expect Jesus to return soon. See, it was that pressure that was building in him. Yes, endurance and faith because it was not easy there to be a Christian. It costs you something. They're building an endurance and faith and their character's being proven and refined and that was producing hope in them. This longing for the kingdom to come. This is God's way, friends. This knowledge of what God's doing in every One of our lives, not just the particular little situations we'd like the answers to, but the big picture and what he's doing in us. This is what's supposed to be the fuel by which we can rejoice even when it hurts. Rejoice when we're in a situation of suffering, as Graham defined a few weeks ago. Just some situation you're in, you wish would come to an end, right? We can rejoice in it because we know He's producing the very things we've prayed for in our lives. The only way he can do it is through prayer. You know, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says the same thing, doesn't it? Count it all joy. There's the common Christian response. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, remember, common Christian knowledge. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And same word for endurance. I don't know why they do that. Why wouldn't they have just translated them both endurance or steadfastness? But again, they didn't call me when they were translating this, so... I, even put, I told Graham, hold all my calls today. The translating committee is going to call me anytime. But it produces endurance. Now listen to the counsel. If you're suffering... This is James counseling you. It's like if you were sitting in his office and you're like, here's what I'm walking through. James, help me with this. Well, first of all, I want you to count it all joy because you know what God's doing right now. He's producing in you what you need and that's steadfastness. And then he's going to say in verse 4, look it, he says, now let steadfastness have its full effect. That is, be brought, let it be brought to its completion now, to the goal God has in mind for this. Stop resisting it. Stop fighting against God in this. Stop seeking immediate Escape from it. You let this have its work now so that, look at what he says, you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In Christian, I think it's every true Christian's desire. It really is. Every true Christian, I think the Spirit puts it in our heart that we want to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Nothing. And so James says, now then, let God do his work. The key to suffering, I think, other than knowing what God's doing in it, is to always continually, and this will take you over and over again, as it does all of us, as we're walking through something, and we get into a slump over it, is to just re-remind ourselves. Right? of what God is doing and you've got to connect that event. You've got to connect it to your relationship with God and what He's doing in you. Don't separate it. Don't have your relationship with God over here. I've got my suffering over here so I'm going to deal with my suffering and God over there. I'll deal with God over there. No, it's connected you see. Because in it all you have to understand that you have a Sovereign and loving God in your life, directing it just for you. Psalm 139, all your days, every one of them has been charted out for you by God for your eternal good and His glory. And that includes this dark day. We connect it all to God so that God then can do His work in us, His perfecting, his completing, his growing work in us. Let endurance, friends, have its full effect. And friends, I want to end with this. Isn't it wonderful how Paul laid these four out? I mean, the actual order of them. He began with since we have been justified by faith. So he begins with the fact, you're forgiven and you're righteous. He goes into the fact that now you have peace with God. So no matter what's happening, that's never in question. My relationship with God, that's not the question here. I have peace with Him. He goes into the fact that we are standing in grace at all times and that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We know we're on our way to heaven. And can you see how important it is to know that before you go into suffering? So you don't get confused about why is this? Am I being punished for something? What have I done wrong? You're right with God. And He loves you. That's why we can sing with confidence when we're boasting in these kinds of things. We can sing, and, and Calissa, let's be back up with, it is well, right? When, when peace like a river attendeth my way, and when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, that's the foundation, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Now, through those, friends, you let this blessed assurance control it all. Let this blessed assurance control your mind and your heart that Christ has regarded your helpless estate and has shed his own blood for your soul. Friends, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the grace of telling us what is going on. Telling us why it is so necessary for us to walk through suffering. I pray for those people in this room that are walking through deep trials right now. I pray that if there's a fog there that there often is, it'd be cleared in the gospel of Jesus that they'd feel at peace with you that they'd rejoice in the fact that you love them and are working in them in deep and meaningful ways and I pray God as we come to suffering at times in our lives Help us to look to your word and be reminded of these truths so that we can run with endurance the race set before us looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it's in his name we pray it. Amen.